Good evening, everybody. I welcome you to our fourth in our summer series. Uh, we've been we've been spending the summer focusing on celebrating God's faithfulness. And this past Sunday, we had a great time worshiping together and reminiscing God's work here at Westminster Presbyterian Church over the last fifty years. As was mentioned, the ministry of Westminster extend, extended beyond just this location um, during those 50 years. Uh, here in Lancaster County, as God was pleased to enable us to participate in numerous church plants in this area. Um, Reformation Presbyterian Church in Ephrata was planted in 1981. Its current pastor, Tom Nicholas, was scheduled to join us tonight but uh, this afternoon I received a phone call from him with his regrets that he will not be able to be here tonight. He's battling some illness that he's picked up over the weekend, and so he's not going to join us tonight. Um, but um, that is one of the churches that, uh, that we planted and uh, is still in existence today. Wheatland Presbyterian Church began in 1995, and we will hear from its current senior pastor, Luke Leduc, shortly. Harvest Presbyterian Church is a, is a church that maybe some of you are questioning, hey, why didn't that show up in the pictorial history booklet that was handed out Sunday? And I believe the answer to that is, I, if, if, I'm, if I understand correct, Harvest Presbyterian Church was a church plant of the Susquehanna Valley Presbytery, not Westminster Presbyterian Church. In other words, we did not initiate that church plant. We did indeed participate in that church plant by contributing both financially and some of our members participated in that church plant. So that's located down in, in Willow Street and is still in existence today. Um, and then our latest uh, church plant, uh, our youngest daughter, as it were, Proclamation Presbyterian Church began in 2013. And we will hear from Troy DeBruin, who's familiar to probably most of us here tonight, um, as, and as he shares what God's doing there. So... Three other churches were planted by uh, Westminster, um, and although they did not continue to this day, valuable ministry did take place in those churches during their times of existence. In 1986, Covenant Presbyterian Church was planted in Landisville and later dissolved. Living Hope Presbyterian Church was started in 2005 in Lidditz and later dissolved. And in 2007, New City Fellowship was started in Lancaster City, and that existed until this past winter when it finally dissolved. So uh, a lot of activity, a lot of ministry has taken place. And although not every church plant makes it, um, a lot of effective ministry took place over the years in each of those church plants. So we praise God for that and for his faithfulness in that. So Reverend Luke Leduc, who comes to us from Wheatland, is um, serving as the current senior pastor there at Wheatland. He served as an assistant pastor at Wheatland, uh, was called there in 2009. In 2016, the congregation called him to serve as their, as their current senior pastor, um, the third pastor of that church during its time. Uh, Luke and his wife, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, is it Terry Lynn? Terry Lynn. They have four children, and they live in the west end of Lancaster, Lancaster City. Troy has served in the PCA, the Susquehanna Valley Presbytery, for 23 years. He served five years at Trinity PCA in Harrisburg and before he was called here to Westminster in 2000. Um, Westminster sent Troy out to plant proclamation in 2013 over the summer of that year. Um, Troy has some educational background. Luke apparently doesn't because he didn't list his. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, Troy, Troy studied just, uh, just over the way here at Lancaster Bible College. Uh, he was a contemporary of my wife and I when we were there. Actually, my wife. I think I had graduated when he came through. And uh, he got his Master of Divinity from Biblical Seminary. And Troy and his wife Amy uh, met as in, in high school at Lancaster Christian High School. They've been married for 24 years and have six children, most of whom we are familiar with. So... I won't name all their names, so you can ask Troy about them later. What parent doesn't like to talk about their kids, right? 
So if you would, let's join together as we begin with prayer, and then I'll ask Luke to get us started. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. And just um, hearing the testimonies over the last several weeks, and, and especially Sunday as we as we focused on, on the history of, of Westminster, uh, we can't help but see your hand of providence very evident in the workings um, here locally in Lancaster County. And we just thank you for your faithfulness to this ministry, as well as to the uh, daughter churches that were that were planted and, and the ones that are, are still in existence today. And we look forward to hearing uh, further testimony of your faithfulness and goodness in these works tonight. And so we pray that you would bless our time and uh, encourage us as we hear these as we hear these uh, testimonies tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Luke? Good evening. My name is Luke LaDuc, and that is not a joke, although uh, Little League, my experience in Little League uh, was uh, traumatic. I'm still unpacking, having to go through life with that name that rhymes. And everyone feels free to make up rhymes that follow along with that name. So, uh, yeah, if you're wondering, that is my real name. That's not a stage name or anything like that. But uh, I am so grateful to have this opportunity to be with you all this evening as Westminster celebrates 50 years of God's faithfulness in this place and his faithfulness to you as a congregation. And from, from your daughter, Church Wheatland, I bring you the warmest of greetings um, I, I think I, I had down that we were your second oldest daughter, but I think we're your, actually your third. We were the third church plant out of Wheatland. I'd forgotten about Landisville. Um, that's right. So we are your third eldest daughter. And my task, as Mark uh, informed me, was to uh, give you a brief update about Wheatland, how God is at work in us as a congregation and how he's at work through us as your child, uh, Mark referred to us as your sister at church at this point, but I, I don't know. I think maybe we're an adult child. How's that? We'll settle on that. Um, but Wheatland, as Mark has already said, was birthed out of this congregation in 1995 with Chris Labs as the founding pastor. How many of you were here in 1995 when Wheatland was birthed? Okay, so there's a good number of you who I'm just reciting, uh, stuff you already know well. But for the rest of us who weren't here when that's around, I think it's interesting to note because in, I've become friends with Michael, your, your pastor, uh, through committees and other things and just being down the road. And he's told me the story a number of times about how Wheatland came into existence. And um, one of the things that I think is remarkable about it is that Michael had only been here about a year as the senior pastor when Chris Labs, and I believe it was Jack Kraft at that point, who marched into Michael's office one day after having only been here about a year and said, hey, we found a church building for sale that we think you should buy and us start a church there in the west end of Lancaster City. Um, it's a lovely little building. I, hope, I know all of you have probably seen it or driven by it there on the corner of Columbia Avenue and President Avenue. And I think it must have been f pretty unsettling in some regards for a fairly new pastor to send out uh, a long, how long, I don't remember exactly how long Chris had been here, but I knew he'd been here a while at that point, but to send out his youth pastor out to start a church, um, that could have, I think, been fairly unsettling for Michael and the session here at Westminster. I think it must have been even more settling for some that Westminster would co-sign for the purchase of a half-million-dollar facility for this new church that they were sending out. Um, that was a lot of money in 1995. It's a lot of money now, but I think that was a significant amount of money in 1995. Um, but I think it was that sort of vision and that sort of sacrifice by the session at Westminster and by the congregation of Westminster uh, that's been an incredible gift to us at Wheatland. Um, if you've been to visit 
our congregation. You know that we are situated in such a unique um, locale in our city. And no disrespect to my dear friend Troy, who I love and admire and look up to in many ways. Uh, but we at Wheatland have always sort of felt like mom loves us best because she gave us this beautiful building. So sorry, Troy, but that's just how we feel. Um, mom loves us best because it wasn't just that this sacrifice was made for a half a million dollar facility gifted to the youth pastor and a, a group of congregants. Now, it wasn't a gift, you understand, but that was a huge responsibility if things were to fold. But that location gave us, all of a sudden, a context for ministry in a unique way that many church plants, I think, struggle with identity because they're, at the same time, they're going out with their proposed identity, all the work that you did, Troy, you go out looking for a place to make that identity happen. And we all know that our context determines a lot of who we are where we'll actually do ministry has a huge bearing on who we'll actually be as a congregation. And so one of the things that I think was this incredible gift from Westminster and its session and its congregation to Wheatland was not only this facility, but all of a sudden a context that would shape us as a congregation. In a, in a speech before the House of Commons in October of 1943, Winston Churchill famously said, we shape our buildings, and thereafter, our buildings shape us. And I think that's what Westminster gave to Wheatland Presbyterian Church when they started us. They gave us a building that would shape us as we began to grow into this context into which we had been planted. So if you can use your imagination with me for just a minute this evening, um, to envision along with me the trajectory that has shaped our, that our ministry has been on that's been shaped by our context. See, Wheatland is in a unique location, as I've, I've hinted at already, um, to have a unique sort of ministry. We've never thought of West, or I haven't, I, you, you'd have to talk to the other pastors and, and Bruce, I know, and Bruce Mawinney and I, who I'll talk about in a minute, uh, I know think very much alike on this. We've never thought of Westminster as a foil. Westminster does this, so we have to do this. We've thought about what it means to be who we are in the place that God planted us. So there's never been this sort of reaction against whatever Westminster was, so we'll do things differently. But we, we have had this unique place because we straddle city and suburb. In fact, as I walk from my office, which is in the house next door to the sanctuary, to a little place to get lunch uh, on Columbia Avenue, I cross the city line each time I walk to get lunch. It's right there. I sort of, I don't trip over it because it's not a real, you understand. But I, I walk by that each time I go to get lunch. And our congregation is a faithful reflection of that. God has blessed us with many people who drive in from various places in the county, like what you experience here at Westminster. And we also have a good number of people who can walk or ride their bikes to church on Sundays if and when they're so inclined. And that, I think, is a uniqueness that is a strength for us but it's also a challenge to us. Um, it's, a, it's a rich strength because that means that Wheatland is not monolithic at one level. Uh, we have hipsters and suburbanites all coming together on a Sunday morning to worship. Um, and we're learning from each other all the time. There are widely disparate sensibilities that are meeting together, but all with a deep love and a commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is a rich strength for Wheatland. But it's also um, a bit of a challenge sometimes because we're not monolithic. Hipsters and suburbanites are worshiping together. And that means we're bumping up against each other all the time in helpful ways, though. And I think God has used this to um, 
define Wheatland in many ways. He's used that in our lives as we learn to listen to one another, to hear different perspectives, and to submit all of our perspectives and all of our opinions in these various issues that could actually divide us to submit them to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the faithful proclamation of his gospel. And I think what this means for us as a congregation, and what I'm here to report to you all tonight as our mother church, is that God has gifted us with a work of the Spirit, only a work of the Spirit, and that is unity as a congregation. And you know that if you've been in churches very long, that if there is a spirit of unity, that is a gift from the Spirit. Because as humans, we, uh, we are naturally often looking for ways to divide ourselves and separate ourselves from one another. That is a work of the gospel. So because this is who we are, because this is the context that we've been given, unity is something that we cannot assume. And I think that's been a great gift to us. Because we're on this divide, unity is something that we as a congregation can never simply assume. We have to work at listening to one another and hearing one another. And I think this has characterized, at least the, the nine years that I've been at Wheatland, this has characterized my experience at Wheatland, is the unity of the congregation led by the unity of the session. Um, and it's that unity that continues to this day. And I think it's that unity that led to another big phase in our life that maybe many of you heard about, and that is the transition. Um, I am so tired of hearing that word transition um, in, 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 a, in, a, in a good way, I think. But what made it possible, I think, was this unity that we've had to work for from the beginning. And, and I think if you're listening carefully to the Apostle Paul, um, he talks a lot about striving for unity. Work as much as is within you. Live at peace with... I mean, unity is never given to us as this assumption. It's something that we have to lay down like our Savior, our rights and prerogatives, and, and, and love the other. With. So, so I think um, one of the great gifts that made this transition where I went from assistant pastor to senior pastor was this thing that we had to work for, and it was led by our former senior pastor, Bruce Mawinney. Um, I don't know how many of you know Bruce, but uh, his humility and his kindness and his vision made what has happened at Wheatland and the, the, the transition going as smoothly as it has uh, made it possible. Um, as I think about being your daughter church, and I think about this transition that Bruce and I went through, a couple of years ago, I, I, I keep hearing what my parishioners tell me. I, I have a 15-year-old, soon to be 16-year-old, and I have a one-year-old, and I have them all in between, so I will never have an empty nest, but that's just, that's okay. We'll survive. Um, but what my parishioners have been telling me is parenting adults is the hardest sort of parenting there is, and I think that's what... Um, Westminster did for Wheatland through this transition. Back in 2013, uh, the session began to discuss Bruce's transition. He was getting older. Many of you know he has um, muscular dystrophy. Um, so there were certain things that as he got into his later 60s that just became more difficult for Bruce. And he was very uh, open and generous with our session and giving them a long-term heads up. And it was a three-year process that began in 2013 and went all the way through June of 2016 when the congregation called me as their senior pastor. But I, I say this about parenting adults because Westminster was the, one of the very first places that we sought advice in this transition. Um, there are so many rich resources here. Tucker York, whom you all know and love, was a rich resource to our session as Bruce Mawinney and I did that unthinkable thing and swapped roles. Um, and I think about that you all yourselves now stand on the precipice of a transition of sorts. And um, 
We're praying already for you as you undertake in the coming months with what Michael has announced um, about his stepping back. And we're, we're praying for God's faithfulness to you. But this congregation has been a faithful resource to us as we've gone through these various stages. And, and currently, I'm happy to report that Wheatland is vibrant and growing. God has been so gracious to us. It, we, we sit back and marvel at his work um, as a session and as a congregation all the time. He is continually strengthening and growing this warm fellowship of Christians there on the corner. Um, financially, this past fiscal year ending in June, we exceeded our budget by 13%. Um, I think this is, somebody was mentioning at our annual, I, I remember that number because we just had our annual congregational meeting when we, we go through all this. And um, one of the elders who you all know, probably Paul Kreider, some of you know Paul and Deb Kreider, came from Westminster to start Wheatland, was saying that's the first time that that has happened in, in our history. So God is continuing to be good and gracious to us in that way. Numerically, we're continuing to grow. Um, our last membership class was our largest ever, uh, apart from when it was first uh, um, particularized as a church back in 1996. But these, of course, are only, those are just one small part of the story. There are so many stories of lives being transformed as well on that corner. ESL has become for us, again, one of these contextual um, necessities for us to engage in if we're going to love our neighbors well. Um, and so God has been gracious through New City Fellowship, actually, that started this ESL program. And I got to know Andrea Bailey, who started it out of New City Fellowship. She started at, West, or at Wheatland and then went with Stan um, and New City Fellowship. She started this. And then as they outgrew their space, we took them onto our campus about five years ago, and our congregation responded in spades to now that we have uh, anywhere between 50 and 60 Wheatland volunteers on a Wednesday night serving 100 uh, adult ESL students on a Wednesday night. So when you think about New City Fellowship closing, as, as you've already mentioned, and, and that was a sad day for many of us, Nick Polico and Stan Morton were dear friends of mine. Nick, we gave Nick an office above my office on the second floor, and I, in, with his moving, I've lost a bit of a brother there. Um, but their legacy continues through our own ESL ministry. So these things are not, uh, again, as Mark said so eloquently, they were serious ministry was done and continues to be done. Um, so all of that to say we are so grateful for how Westminster has parented us, even in our adult years. Um, we continue to desire your prayers for us. You can pray for us as we deal with the complications uh, and, and that the blessing of growth brings. It is a blessing to grow, but it's also a complication. Um, we have a long-range planning team meeting now, trying to figure out what to do for our worship space and our classroom space and our, our nursery space, things you all as parents know very well that you've gone through in your own life here. So, um, but we are grateful for the partnership that we share with Westminster. You all have shared generously with us. Our youth groups are, are great friends. Chris Walker and Keith Winder, who is now our associate pastor, um, it, have been great friends. And, and Chris and I have been great friends serving on a committee together. Uh, of Presbytery, but I think that one of the great things that can be said about Winster, Westminster as I close is that in her 50 years of ministry, her children have become her friends. And I think that that says something about the signs of a healthy relationship and a God-centered, gospel-saturated ministry. So we are so grateful Grateful for the 50 years God has given to you. Grateful for the ways in which you have sacrificially poured into the lives of churches around you. And we look forward to working together in the years to come as we serve this city and this county with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Troy, I didn't realize you were such an old man, Troy. When he said you'd been 
in the Susquehanna Valley Presbytery for 20 some odd years. I know. You look great, though. Thank you. It started at 10 years old, I guess. Um, well, thank you, Luke, for that encouraging update. It's really a joy to be here. Just a few anecdotes before I really get started. I'm going to tell this story just because I like it. Uh, but Mark emailed Luke and I and Tom today, just reminding us that we were going to be here tonight and reminding us of our time limits, three pastors, 12 to 15 minutes each, and recognizing that's quite a challenge. And uh, I had just seen Mark on Sunday, and we had been talking about this. And so at the end of the email, he made clear to Tom and Luke that I wanted my full 15 minutes. And so I replied to them all. I said, what I really want is for Mark to be an elder at proclamation. And I said, I would gladly give up all my time for that trade, fair trade, right? And Luke had quite the reply. He said, just like the baby of the family, always asking for more than their fair share. <laughs> so I'm glad that I'm here tonight, though, because as the baby of the family, right, doesn't the baby, isn't the baby usually the one who is spoiled and gets the most? And so now that I know what Wheatland has received, I have something in my pocket maybe to pull out at another day. Uh, but West, Westminster has been so good to us. And it, I, I was also just thinking as I was sitting back there that um, now Luke and I, Luke was part of our temporary session that helped Proclamation get started. And so we're very thankful for the time that he gave. And uh, as, I was, as I was sitting there, I was just thinking about, I think the very first time, uh, that, and this is a difference from, from Luke and I as we were walking in here, I realized that I had the privilege of being here uh, for 13 years and being shaped uh, in a deep way by the ministry of Westminster and by the beloved people of Westminster, for which uh, I'll always be thankful. Um, and just seeing people before we came in here was a great blessing. But as I was sitting back there, I was remembering, I think the first time I ever preached at Westminster was almost in this exact spot. It might have been this podium. Uh, it might have been maybe 10 feet back because I think they you know, adjusted this room a little bit. But I, it may have been an evening service, and uh, some of you may have been here. Uh, that was a long time ago. And uh, I think it was on First John 3, Children of God. Uh, but right here in this spot. Um, so we're so thankful. I'm so thankful to be back here and have an opportunity to give you an update. Also bring greetings uh, from uh, Proclamation and the people there, so many of whom... Uh, was really hard. So those who came from Westminster particularly, uh, was very hard for them to leave a church home that was their family, that they loved, that was a great blessing to them. Uh, but they came with uh, your blessing and with a great desire to see the gospel move forward in a new community. And that's what you're doing, really, when you plant churches all over the county as an extension of the kingdom of God. More people have the opportunity to hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, be built up in the gospel. So we praise and thank the Lord for that. I do want to uh, begin just by saying thank you and uh, join Luke in, in giving our thanks. We would not uh, be here. We wouldn't have these churches were it not for your support and the faithful support of Westminster over the years for the sacrificial support of this church. First of all, just to have the vision to plant churches. As Luke shared that story, Michael had shared that story with me several times of, uh, you know, just having a vision to be willing to send members out who are involved in ministry uh, to, to do ministry somewhere else and to continue that over and over and over again, uh, to give time and prayers and finances. So you, you here are partners in the gospel and this local church body, Westminster, that has faithfully stewarded her time and talents and treasures for 50 years for the glory of God and the good of others. And so we say thank you. And that passage in Philippians has always been one of my favorite. Uh, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer for you with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Another one of my favorite passages that I thought of often when I was a youth pastor is 1 Thessalonians 
Paul writes, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And so I thought I would begin just because you have become dear to us, and I know uh, through the love and support you've given to myself and my family that we were dear to you, and we're thankful for that, that you might want an update on some of my family members who unfortunately are not here uh, this evening. In fact, one of the first person I saw is Amy here tonight, uh, which everybody always asks me, uh, or the kids. So uh, just a brief update. They are a great blessing in my life, in the life of the church, and Amy continues to do uh, a wonderful job as a wife and mother and caregiver, and she started to work outside the home a little bit over the last few years, providing care to uh, some older people that may be in need, and she's really thriving in that. It's not a lot of time out of the home, but it's been a blessing uh, for her, and she heads up the kitchen team at Proclamation, so that's a, a great blessing and service. All of my the girls of our family regularly serve in the nursery. Uh, it's a, a vital need that we have at Proclamation, so they're actively involved in the life of the church. Elena, our oldest, will now be 22 in just a couple months. Um, so some of you would think that's hard to believe. It's hard for us to understand that. Um, so, But she's going to enter her final year at York College of Pennsylvania here in the fall, majoring in nursing. She's hoping to be a midwife and take that skill to the mission field someday. Some of you may know she spent last summer as the missions intern from Westminster, and she was in Macedonia most of the summer. This summer, she was down in Atlanta doing another internship with SEN for a month. Uh, so she's really excited about that and just continues to pursue that. We'll see how the Lord continues to lead in her life. Our daughter Molly is 20, going on 21 here in just a little bit. And she's been working full-time at Detail Salon in Mount Joy since high school. Very active, very active life. Uh, doesn't hardly slow down ever. Uh, but also very active in the life of the church. Teaches Sunday school, helps with uh, youth groups involved in young adults. Uh, serves in the nursery, plays the piano uh, very regularly, so very active, uh, a great blessing to our congregation. Luke is now graduated from high school, uh, 18. He'll be at Thaddeus Stevens, Lord willing, in the fall. He wants to be an electrician. He's had a great job at a local construction company the last few years and has really enjoyed that. Uh, he runs a sound system often for us and says he's the best one that does it at our church, which is probably true. And uh, he's also a buddy for Hudson Robinson. Uh, we have a buddy system for some of our kiddos in uh, Sunday school. And so uh, that's great. Hudson loves Luke and Luke lo loves Hudson. And we're thankful for that relationship. And then some of you remember our twins, Lydia and Ella, were, were born here shortly after we arrived. And they are now 16 and uh, learning to drive and uh, just finished their 10th grade year of high school, very active in school and in church as well. So uh, those are updates on the children, and I'll, I'll probably mention, you know, we'll see as time goes. Um, many of you remember Anthony as well, and we look forward to seeing him uh, again someday when we join him with our Savior in heaven. Uh, but that's our family. That's an update on them. And I'm going to give you an update on the ministry of uh, proclamation. As Luke said, we're here to just kind of share the story of God's faithfulness and how he has been at work. And so there's several updates that I I think you probably would be interested in. I wanted to begin just by trying to paint maybe a few brief stories of some of the kinds of people that we are reaching, uh, that God has brought to our church through the ministry of the gospel, uh, through, and it really it's an extension of the ministry here at Westminster. And uh, so one, the first family I want to mention is a young family. They now have two children when they first came to us. Uh, young couple, newly married, didn't have any children. Um, but when we first started having information meetings, we had one in this very room uh, talking about the church plant. And when we were gathering that core group, one of the questions we asked them was to think about someone that they might invite to be part of our church. And so this family was one of those names written down. One of the members of our core group they were friends of theirs, and uh, they recognized these friends, didn't really have a church home. They weren't even sure if they were believers. And so before we even got started, we were praying regularly for this family by name. And then I had the opportunity to meet them at a fourth Friday in Mount Joy as we try to get out in the community, and then they started coming, and they have become members, 
and they're active in the life of the church. Uh, the, the wife, the mother, is one of our nursery coordinators. She's helping Amy in the kitchen. It's just wonderful to see them growing in their love for the Lord and their love for the gospel. So that's one young family that has come to us uh, that was not in a church home prior to the planting of proclamation. Um, another one is uh, the grandmother of the family that lives above the office. So some of you may have heard some of these stories before, but we have an office on Main Street right in Mount Joy that we rent. And it's a great location for us because it puts us right in the middle of the community and we can interact with people as they go up and down Main Street or, you know, there's businesses next to us. And then there's apartments right above us. So from the very beginning, we got to know this single mother caring for her two young children and through them, uh, the kid's grandmother, uh, uh, the mother's mother. And um, she has become a part of our church family. It took her two years before she ever came to one of our services. Until uh, we moved locations, I'll mention that later, but we moved into her neighborhood. And then she started coming on Sundays for our gathered worship. Uh, her daughter has had an incredibly difficult life. And uh, we have lots of conversations uh, about God, about the gospel. She has always been resistant and just saying, I'm not ready. I'm, you know, I'm mad at God. I'm not ready uh, to come to church. Her daughter has come often with her grandmother and been part of the youth group and things like that. Uh, but she never came until about two months ago. She came for the very first time. And that's, she hasn't been back yet. But that was a huge step for her to just even step foot in a church building uh, once again. And I'd encourage you to pray for her. Uh, her name is Jessica. She knows we're praying for her. Uh, but that God would work in her heart and help her uh, to really return. That God would give her a heart to know that he's the Lord and she would return uh, to him. Another family had not been going to church for years. Uh, they told me they, that their church for those couple of years was their kitchen table, listening to Dr. Rogers on the radio. And uh, so somehow they heard about proclamation. It's closer to where they live. And finally, they, they finally came out one Sunday. And, you know, with our connection with Westminster, they have become members and, and made it their church home and are active in our outreach team. And we're very thankful to have this family with us. We've started to connect with some E-Town College students. We hoped that would be a ministry we could have. It's been slow going. But uh, this past year, we had two students that came faithfully and occasionally would bring friends with them. So we're hoping that will continue in the coming uh, semester and, and that will extend as well. So also several other families that either were new to the Reformed faith or sadly that may have been part of churches that were deserting the gospel. And it's very sad for them to be in a church for many, many years and come to the place where they feel like they can't stay there anymore. Uh, but some of those people have come to us. So we're thankful for that. We do have uh, a diverse group of ages. So we're very thankful that we have uh, some super seniors. That's what it's called here, right? Super senior retreat. Is that right? Recharge. Uh, so we have uh, several of those members and we're very thankful. And then we have many young families as well. I was trying to count it up. I think in the time that we've been there, we've had 20 children uh, either born or adopted. Uh, so we do have very active nursery ministry. And I think we have three uh, in the oven. Is that what they say? Uh, three that will be born soon. And six marriages that we've been a part of in one way or the other. So lots of things that are happening along those lines. So those are just some of the kinds of people that we've had the privilege uh, to interact with and that God has been faithful uh, to bring to us. One of the things that we said right from the beginning that we continue to say is that we want to be a church plant that plants churches. So we're a good child, right? We, we're trying to be like our mother. And we imagine that will probably look different than it's looked here at Westminster. Um, we doubt that we will surround ourselves uh, with church plants as Westminster has, uh, although maybe smaller ones perhaps. But one of the ways that we wanted to do that uh, was from the beginning. We, we wanted to be a church like Westminster, self-sustaining, that would support other missionaries and other mission work and church plants 
both near and far, uh, trying to learn uh, again from our mother. And so we've been able to begin that. So we have, right now, uh, we're not anywhere close to the $850,000 or so that you're sending out uh, this year. But we're very thankful that we have six uh, missionaries or mission agencies that we are supporting uh, financially and also through prayer. And we're taking the, the approach to try to have a smaller number but a greater amount of their support and build a long-term relationship with them. And we're learning, you know, talking with the missions committee here about how to do that. So we're supporting ministries in Ukraine, Asia, Ireland, London, here in the U.S., and, and Native American ministry as well. So that, you know, that's another extension of the ministry here that uh, we are able to support missionaries as well, church planting work all over the world. Another way that we want to be a church plant that plants churches is by raising up and training men for ministry. And so from the very beginning, we had this idea of having an intern ministry. Um, in fact, that's really what happened with Luke, not at our church or Westminster, but served down at Trinity, Holy Trinity in, in Florida, uh, the same church where Stephen Light was an intern. So Luke had two or three years there, uh, trained up, raised up ministry experience before he was sent out, you know, to do gospel ministry somewhere else. So that's kind of what we're hoping to do. And I'll just put a plug in there. Westminster would be a wonderful church to do that in. If, Mark, you're an elder here, you can talk to somebody about that. Um, but, you know, we're a small church. We wanted to begin that, uh, start that from the beginning. And so the idea there is to raise, to train and equip and send men uh, for ministry, whether they become an actual church planter themselves or whether they be, become a member on staff of a church or, you know, however the Lord does that is up to him. Uh, but we started with Andy Steyer. Many of you know Andy, and he's been a great blessing to us. Uh, and because of the unique situation, what we thought, well, might be a one-year internship is now in its fourth year. And Andy came to us uh, just when he wanted to begin his seminary studies. And he is just now uh, three classes away from graduating, completing his Master of Divinity. Uh, and, and it'll happen in the next few months, Lord willing, uh, depending on some scheduling there. So that's one reason we've brought him back year after year, we wanted to support him through this process. So he will be ready to be ordained in the PCA, and he's seeking a call now, a full-time call to ministry in the PCA uh, where he can be involved in full-time gospel ministry. And he has grown tremendously uh, and has been a great blessing to our congregation and to our people and to our community. Uh, I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity to, to come and visit or maybe hear him preach, but he's really grown over the years, and so we're very thankful uh, for that. We also have another uh, full-time pastor on staff this year. Now, Andy's not a pastor. He's an intern, and, and this was a unique opportunity. We're, we weren't looking to add someone necessarily, but the Lord brought him to us. Uh, he married one of our members and was living in Mount Joy right down the road, and he's already ordained in the PCA. He's a chaplain in the Army Reserves, and he wants to be a full-time chaplain. And one of the requirements is that they receive two years of full-time experience. And so we just thought, is this someone the Lord is bringing to us? Can, can we provide that for him? And uh, we prayed about it, and, uh, and we were able to do that. And so he's with us this year, and Lord willing, we'll complete the requirement he has next year, and then... We'll send him out, and he'll be uh, a missionary, in a sense, in the army. And what a mission field that is. And we need true gospel-preaching, believing chaplains uh, in the army. And so we're thankful for his work and for what the Lord will be doing uh, through him. And so so happens we also hired his wife, because we were looking for a part-time director of connections and administration. They're both Westminster Seminary grads. So we are kind of spoiled with some great people to help us on staff. And so she's been a great blessing this year. Uh, it does make it a little awkward in the office at times. We, we have five people working in the office, two married couples, and then myself. And uh, so it's, it's Seth and Lauren, and then Heidi and Andy. Heidi's only in on Fridays, but sometimes I'm like, I need to bring Amy into the office so I feel more comfortable here. 
But it's going well. We're thankful for that. Uh, I don't know. How many ministries does Westminster have? Was it 83 or something like that? Does anybody know the number? I know you just had your your celebration on Sunday, and I, I saw the list. Uh, we are not anywhere near that many, but we are growing and getting involved in active ministry. Uh, so just another way of God's faithfulness is uh, the ministry teams that we have and that are growing and expanding. Uh, we use the phrase every member ministry. God's given every member a gift to be used for building up the body. And so we have growing things like community group and men's prayer meeting and all kinds of activities in our women's ministry and youth ministry and young adults and kitchen and outreach. We started an ESL ministry. Again, it wasn't something we were really looking for. So how many, I'm sure many of you know Nikki Arnold. Some of you know Nikki. If you know Nikki, this will come as no surprise to you. So Nikki is heading up our outreach ministry team and they had their first meeting in the Mexican restaurant, which is right next door to our office, Trace Hermanos, excellent Mexican food. If you're ever in Mount Joy, I'll be glad to meet you there for lunch. Uh, so they have their their meeting in there, and they start talking to the waitresses. And Nikki asks how they can pray for them, and, and they just start this conversation. And by I think by the basically the end of that meal, we were starting an ESL ministry in our office next door. So they've been having members from the restaurant come over every Wednesday morning and use our office. And one of the men that I mentioned earlier, who it, the church was kitchen table, Dr. Rogers on the radio, he's teaching that uh, ESL ministry. And so now I walk into the restaurant and they all wave and say hi, you know. So I, I have to go there, right? I have to go there on a regular basis just to continue that ministry. So we're thankful for that. Uh, you probably are interested in a building update. So, and find, find, all I can say about the finances, I was just thinking, as Luke mentioned, 13% uh, surplus this year or something like that. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. So we have gone through four years, like our cycle is the same as Westminster, January to December, 14, 2014, 15, 16, 17. And every year our giving has exceeded our budget and our Spending has come in under our budget. So that's good. That's a great way to operate, and we're very thankful for that. That's a a sign of God's faithfulness. Not the only sign, and maybe not the truest sign, but it's a sign, and we're thankful for that, and it's enabled us um, to save some money. To It enabled us to bring on the second intern uh, for this year um, and to expand some ministries. Uh, part of the reason I think we've probably been able to do that is we haven't had a huge building expense Uh, or any kind of uh, expense to take care of problems that may arise with owning your own building. So in four years of meeting, we have met in two different locations. We started out at Mount Joy Church of God. Uh, I remember our last Sunday here, or when we were, it might have been a congregational meeting here at Westminster in in, uh, early 2014, that's what it was. So the end of January, 2014, you may be, you were here and you remember, I said, we are going to meet, we're going to have our first Sunday service, not open to the public, but our core group's ready to meet on February 23rd. We don't know where, but we're starting. It was like three or four weeks away. And uh, in between that time, the Lord opened the doors for Mount Joy Church of God. And we had a great relationship with them for two years it was a great place to meet. It put us on the map in Mount Joy, like Luke was talking about. Where are we going to be, and, and what kind of people are we going to be interacting with? And that first two years, that, that did that for us. And we had an evening service because they were meeting in the morning. So we were, over the time, thinking, well, it would be nice to have that morning time frame. And two years later, that opened up uh, through a Mount Joy ministerial meeting at another great restaurant in Mount Joy, Harvey's Barbecue. If you've never been there, I'll be glad to meet you there for lunch. So we had a meeting there, and I was sitting across the street from the pastor at Florin at the time, and he said he knew we were looking for a place to meet. He said, you should check out our church. We're thinking about trying to find some rental income. So after that lunch, we went over, toured the building, and you know, a few months later, we were there. Sunday morning service. They changed their meeting time there's the, the time for their service, they moved it from 10 a.m. to 9 a.m. so we could come in and have an 11 a.m. service. And that's the kind of hospitality they've shown to us uh, since we've been there. A wonderful congregation 
it's been a great blessing to uh, work with them. We've been there the last two years, and we just renewed a lease for three years. So some people always ask, are you looking for your own building? Do you want to own your own place? And right now, we are just so thankful for what God has provided uh, because it's, it's almost as if it's our building. We get to use it whenever we want and just pay that monthly rent, and they take care of all the, you know, all the details, all the expenses. So it has really freed us up financially and time-wise. So we're very thankful, and it's a great building. Many of you have said, you know, oh, I've been wanting to get out. I've been wanting to come and visit. Well, summer is a great time to visit. Many of our members are off on vacation, and so sometimes, you know, our numbers seem lower. So if you want to visit, this is a great time of year to come out and uh, show your support and just see how things are going. And we would love to welcome you and have you with us on a Sunday. And Sundays really are a highlight for us and uh, for all of God's people. But another sign of God's faithfulness is that Sunday morning gathered worship service. One of the things that I was talking, we were talking in the office this week about me being here. You know, what's, what, what, and I was talking with our staff and one of our members uh, was in the office that day. And I said, what are, so what, what would you say if I was to talk about God's faithfulness or how is God at work at proclamation? And the member who was in the office that day said, you know, what I've noticed about proclamation is just the sense of fellowship that we really share with one another. And I think that comes out on a Sunday morning in, uh, we have, we, we pass the peace with one, with one another. So there's a time of greeting. Uh, or welcoming one another, or as the scriptures say, passing the peace with one another during our gathered worship service. And it's part of our worship. Now, some people, that's certainly not their favorite time of the worship service. Some of them, uh, we have some people who I think might leave and go wait, you know, in the bathroom or something until we're done and then come back. Not too many. Some people, it is their favorite time, but it's a really sweet time over the years that we just rejoice in the peace that we have with God and we share that with one another. And Amy just said a couple weeks ago she saw uh, two little girls, Leilani Robinson, uh, who was adopted from Ethiopia, and Camden, who is the daughter of that young couple I was telling you earlier about. Uh, They're probably about four or five years old, and they were passing the peace with one another, just, you know, shaking hands. These two little, the cutest girls you could ever imagine. Uh, And it's just maybe a small picture of, of what's kind of happening during that time, the love that is being shared and shown uh, among one another. We've also started a Sunday evening service only on the second and fifth Sundays of the month right now. And we just started that over the summer because we have Andy, because we have Seth, uh, they're preaching in those services, give the, gives them an opportunity to preach and another opportunity for us to gather for worship. So we're We're thankful for that and thankful for what the Lord is doing through that. Um, Let's see what time we have here. I didn't track when I started, so I just figured I had the rest of the time. Uh, But I think I'll try to, I'll just try to touch on this. um, Because when I asked that question in in the office, and this was brought up, and, um, so someone else has mentioned this to me many times when we think about our our first four years, four and a half years. Uh, so if, if Wheatland is the adult child, uh, we're still the toddler, you know, learning to walk, uh, still very young. Uh, and maybe that's why we feel this way, but I think we have seen God's faithfulness in the midst of suffering in our congregation. And this may be true of all congregations, you know, and maybe we just feel it more because we're a smaller congregation or because we're a young, you know, younger in the life of the church. Um, but we have had several members just experience very difficult times uh, in our life, whether it's a man diagnosed with cancer and the treatment not giving any kind of positive outlook um, and to see you know, his family dealing with that, and to see him almost thriving in his faith in the midst of it. He comes and joins us for men's prayer, and we are just so humbled to hear him pray and express his trust in the Lord, knowing 
that uh, from a human perspective, he probably doesn't have many years left to live. Uh, Or whether it's families that are experiencing very difficult uh, situations that they need great wisdom from the Lord and great patience in dealing with conflicts or difficulties, but to see them continue to faithfully join us for gathered worship Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, to give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness in their lives, knowing that they are in deep pain. You know, those, we, we see these situations playing out over and over again. Um, and it, it may seem as if the Lord is bringing people to us who are in deep pain and in deep need. And again, that is probably true everywhere. Perhaps in a smaller church, it's more noticeable. And most of you probably know our story, but you know, just a reminder, uh, the, the Sunday before our very first public worship service, Easter of 2014, uh, Andy Steyer's brother, Peter, died suddenly. And uh, that was a shock. And continue to pray for Andy and the Steyer family. Uh, But Peter was not just Andy's brother, but really his best friend. And so that's been very hard on Andy. And then it was four months later to the day, uh, a a beautiful Sunday afternoon when we were meeting on Sunday nights and our family was getting ready for church. And we didn't make it to church that night because we had to go to the hospital. And we would see our son go to the arms of his Savior. And so that is something that we're still wrestling with. You know, God's faithfulness in the midst of deep pain and suffering. And so it's been, as we celebrate God's faithfulness, and he has been faithful, and I I say to people in my own story, Just because something bad happened in our lives, it doesn't change who God is. And he has remained faithful. But I I do think that it's a miracle of grace and it's a sign of his faithfulness that I'm even here today to give a report. You know, that, that Andy is growing in ministry that any of these people who have experienced the loss of a loved one or are going through incredibly difficult times, that they, they come and they praise the Lord and they're trusting the Lord in the midst of deep pain. And so it's been very painful. It's been very hard. And yet our God is good. Our God is incredibly faithful. I want to close just by sharing a story. Uh, which I shared before in this sanctuary in a sermon. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure you all remember it. Uh, but some of you know the missionary Helen Rosevere. Uh, and from a young age, before she was even a believer, she didn't come to know Christ until she was in college. But from a young age, she trained herself to ask the question, is it worth it? And everything that she would do, so if she's going to go out on a date with a boy, is it, Ruth, is it worth it if she was going to buy a book and read it? Is it worth it if she was going to take a college course? Is it worth it? And, and so she really took that question seriously. And through asking that question and through that discipline, she became a very well-educated, disciplined, young female physician. But then she gave her life to the Lord and to missionary work in the Belgian Congo and served there for 11 years, 11 years of faithful, sacrificial, loving service to the African people, leprosy work and children's work and building a hospital and building a Bible school. These are all kinds of things that she was involved in. And then in 1964, you had the Congo Rebellion, as we know it here. And the tribal people rose up, and the foreigners were treated ruthlessly at the time. And it's really a very difficult story in her life because then government soldiers came to her and her village and they came into the place where she was living and they beat her. They kicked in all her teeth and then they repeatedly violated her 
They dragged her out of the hut, tied her to a tree, mocked her, laughed at her, found in her hut handwritten manuscript, the only copy of her 11 years of labor in the Congo, brought it out, threw it down, burned it in front of her. And she asked, with her teeth clenched in her mind, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And then she says, she tells a story. She says the Holy Spirit came, comforted her, and said, oh, Helen, dear Helen, you've been asking the wrong question. Not is it worth it, but am I worthy? Am I worthy of your suffering for my sake? Am I, the Lord Jesus, who gave his life for you, worthy for you to make this kind of sacrifice for me? And she was able to say, because of God's faithfulness, oh, Lord Jesus, through her tears, yes, you are worthy. Revelation chapter 5 gives us a picture in the new heavens, the new earth, the new creation. They sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God and you shall reign on the earth. Our Lord Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our service. And he is worthy of giving him praise and honor tonight for his faithfulness. And so I would just encourage you to continue in what you have done over the years. You know, why did you send us out? Why did you plant Wheatland? Why did you plant Proclamation? Why did you plant RPC in Ephrata? Because Jesus Christ is worthy. Because he's worthy of the worship of every person you know. In every county and every continent, he's worthy. So that's why we planted the church in Mount Joy. It's why we want to be a church plant that plants churches. So I would encourage you, and I know you're not, but just in case you are, this is your spoiled young child coming and saying, don't be proud of what you've done. Be incredibly grateful for God's faithfulness and grace and what he's doing through you and in you. And don't be content to say, Oh, we've done a lot. We can just rest and take it easy now. Jesus Christ is worthy of your continued service until he sees fit to return and take you home. So Philippians 1, 3 through 6, you can understand why I would say, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is doing that here at Westminster. And thanks to be God, he's begun it at Wheatland. He's begun it at Proclamation. And he'll be faithful to bring that to completion as well. So thank you very much. And once again, I am long-winded. But thanks for your patience. I wouldn't be Troy if I didn't go a few minutes over. <laughs> Thank you to both of you for coming and sharing those updates with us. And, and isn't God a faithful God? You know, I always tell people, yeah, a lot. it's easy to rejoice in God's faithfulness when good things happen. And I always point out to people, God is faithful even if we weren't experiencing a good thing. God is faithful regardless of our circumstances. Sometimes we don't see it, but he is faithful. He's continually working, accomplishing his good purposes for his glory. And we get to participate in that. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So thank you guys for reminding us of God's faithfulness through both the good and the bad. And for your faithfulness in the churches that you've been entrusted with. I want to encourage each of you to come back next week for our last of the summer series. Um... I can't emphasize this enough. We're going to talk about a ministry that's been going on in our doors that may seem a little bit different to you, that may look a little bit different to you. 
You may have noticed there's some people that come in Sunday mornings that dress a little differently, that speak a little differently, that look a little differently, smell a little differently. But this church is called to minister to a group of refugees in our own community, and it is an exciting work that is happening here. And I want you guys to hear about that ministry. So come back next week. They're going to be participating. Some of them will be here with us participating next week, singing some of the music that they love as they praise the Lord in a way that's different and unique from how we are familiar with. Uh, I want to challenge you to come hear what's going on in that ministry and ask yourself, is there anything that you can do to help that along? You ask somebody to teach a Sunday school class, oh, I can't do that. that that's, that's beyond me. That's too hard. Maybe you ask somebody to give and they don't have a lot of means to give. Is it too hard to give somebody a ride? You're driving to church anyway, right? So come next week, hear what's happening in the refugee ministry, and ask yourself, is there anything you can do to be part of a team of people that ministers to the least of these among us. I actually think they're the, they're the best of these among us. <laughs> and I am one who was not ready to jump on board with this early on. I'm going to actually share a few thoughts next week as well about how God has been transforming my heart with relation to this. So I invite you to come back next week. Uh, Jim O'Connor is going to come. Uh, Dr. John Moira, who was referenced Sunday morning, is going to be here and share how he came to this church years ago as an LBC student and how God is now using him to actually preach a Swahili-speaking service to his brothers in Christ, so brothers and sisters in Christ. Will you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father God, you are faithful and you are awesome. If we were to do ministry in ways that we can comprehend, it would be so limited and so blasé. <laughs> but we're excited to see you at work all around us in this world, doing a mighty work beyond our comprehension by your Spirit, calling people to yourself in unique ways, planting churches, establishing ministries, establishing friendships and relationships so that your gospel can continue to go forth, so that your kingdom can continue to be established. We rejoice in all that you are doing. We hear these testimonies tonight from our brothers, and we recognize that this is your work that's taking place through your people as they are faithful to you. And Father, we know we fail you. We know that we are woefully inadequate at times. But we thank you that your spirit empowers and enables us. We thank you for your grace and your forgiveness so that we can comprehend and understand how to relate to others who are broken as well. We ask that you would guide us each safely home tonight and that you would continue to stir our hearts as we think upon your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.